are listening to Chaos on the Set, a chaotic TV and film review podcast. You have some of your usual guests today, but we also assembled our favorite people to discuss Marvel movies with. Um, I'd love to introduce them, but also talk about their past and history with the MCU. I guess I should start. My name is Shruti, and my history with the MCU is I started watching Marvel movies in 2018, and I watched them all in time to watch Avengers Endgame in theaters with my dear best friend and co-host, Kate Wyant, who guided me through the MCU and watched most of the movies with me and explained things to me, because when I tried to watch Guardians alone, I was very confused as to who all of those people were. Kate, who are you, and what is your experience with the MCU? Hello, I'm Kate. You heard my voice before. Um... And my experience dates back to, like, around the first Avengers movie. Uh, I saw that in theaters, was so hooked, went back and watched, like, you know, the Iron Man films, watched the whole film that didn't have Mark Ruffalo in it, so it was kind of a waste of time. (laughs) And um, just kind of, like, got into it about 10 years ago. And I I just see every single movie when it comes out, but I'm not a huge rewatcher, so... You know, the last time I saw a Thor movie was when we showed Shruti, you know, the MCU in, like, 2018. So, I'm a little shaky on my lore and my knowledge, so I might need you experts to help guide me a little bit. Because it's been a bit since I've seen a lot of these movies. And have you been watching the shows on Disney Plus or not? I have watched WandaVision, Loki. I watched half of the Hawkeye one and got bored. What, Haley Steinfeld wasn't charming enough for you? I do love her. I don't know why I stopped watching. And I... You hate Christmas. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know what that has to do with it. Have I not got far enough? You didn't realize it was a Christmas show? No, it was in the first, oh, it was in the first episode. Oh, it's a Christmas show? Okay. Um, anyways. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. we're talking about Thor Love and Thunder. Leah is also here to talk to us about Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> She's our most frequent Chaos on the Set guest and also our resident Marvel expert because, Leah, if I'm correct, your experience with the MCU is basically covering it professionally. Oh, yes. yes. I mean, personally, I went to see uh, the 2008 film Iron Man, the beginning of the MCU in theaters with my dad. I was not a huge superhero person. Like, I watched Heroes, but I didn't really love, like, X-Men movies or Spider-Man movies or DC movies that much. But I remember my dad being like, oh, Iron Man, that's a weird choice for a movie. And saw it, and then we get to the post-credits, and he was like, oh... And they're going to do it on Avengers. That's interesting. That's ambitious. And I have been hooked ever since. I watched Aww. all of the Disney shows. I watched all the TV shows before they were under Marvel Studio. Or, well, the Jeff Loeb era of Marvel television, which is like all the Netflix shows, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, Runaways, etc. And some stinkers in there. Um, and yeah, and then I started working in entertainment journalism and writing a ton of explainers. And then most recently, I've been um, the Marvel consultant. I feel weird saying Marvel expert, because there are people (laughs) that know more than me. But definitely Marvel consultant on the Newcomers podcast with Nicole Byer and Lauren Lapkus, where my job is to explain the context to them. So I'm, I'm very good at it. In fact, we just wrapped, basically. I'm done. So now your job is to explain it to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For free. For free. No, sorry. <laughs> well, Kate, don't tell everyone that we don't pay our guests. 
Oh, we don't even get paid as the host. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and then our final co-host is somebody very near and dear to my heart because I got to guide her through the MCU, even though she technically watched more movies than I did. Shreya, thank you for joining us. Please tell us about your experience with the MCU. Hi, yeah, of course. So I watched the 2008 film Iron Man for the first time in 2019 after Endgame was almost out of theaters. Um, Shruti, as she oh, described, watched many but not all of the marvel movies leading up to endgame um I kind of a fake some, fan okay um and then she was like this shit is amazing you have to watch it so i started in 2019 um around march 2020 i watched endgame and i cried and Shruti said i'm so happy you cried it was really weird of shreya doesn't cry at things so i was just happy that she was finally moved i hope I hope none of our listeners have to have a sibling that says to them, I'm so happy you cried. It's like very, it's very <laughs> disheartening to hear. Um, but definitely, a, definitely a very big fan now. I watched basically all the shows. I like didn't watch Moon Knight just because like I, I happened to not, but like I intend on watching it at some point. Um, it's weird. And I'm sure we'll talk about this later. It's weird watching phase four and being kind of disappointed and confused because these are the first movies I've ever watched as they come out so my expectations are weird i watched all of them as like a combined unit and now i'm like i don't know where we're going with things and i feel like no one knows where we're going with things but maybe i'm biased because you know i like knew who thanos was when i watched iron man i see i see that take about phase four a lot and i think even people that have like followed it from the beginning have forgotten that like we didn't really know, like, Thanos showed up in a couple post credit scenes, and you're like, okay, I guess they'll eventually get to this guy. And there wasn't that expectation of, like, where are you going with Thor, the Dark World, or, you know, Iron Man 3 or whatever. I think something that's also been hard for me with Phase 4 is that, like you said, all of the shows that were under, like, Marvel when they were on Netflix, like, I watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 2 when I was in high school, that was very, very removed from the mcu like movies you know like nothing in agents of shield really impacted nothing really impacted um what we were seeing in the big screen and now it's like whoa wait i have to watch all these disney plus marvel tv shows and somehow they are going to impact what's happening in the movies but they haven't yet but when are they going to and it's it's very weird I was listening to The Watch uh, with Chris Ryan and and Andy Greenwald, and I think that they made a very compelling point where Marvel decided to make movies that are told in the way a TV show is told. Mm -hmm. So as opposed to, like, one standalone movie um, being, like, kind of a bookend, like, 23 movies, like, all culminate into a series finale, which is Endgame, um, and they all tie together, and none of them are self-contained, much like television is. And now they're trying to make TV shows that are movies, right? We have, like, six, basically six-hour movies that are, like, told as a TV show, but they're, like, self, they're, like, try to be self-contained and try to have a bow on them. And it just feels like I'm confused about what's going on. Something Andy Greenwald said in the podcast was the MCU currently feels very crowded and simultaneously empty and I thought that was kind of the perfect description where I'm like there is so much going on and sim- and at the same time I haven't really watched so I loved No Way Home I liked Eternals whatever um, <laughs> but <laughs> I haven't really watched like a piece of content that places me in like what the world what's like happening and you know I think I'm just waiting for like the payoff of all of these big things that we've seen happen 
at the end of all of these movies, at the end of all of these TV shows, especially like Loki, he kind of like broke the universe. What's going yeah. on with that? And like, um, I remember like Eternals, like doesn't um, Gemma Chan's character get like literally kidnapped in the end? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, there's with like her? a fucking. Sorry, there's like a celestial that's coming out of the earth and like right. no no other movie has commented on it like i think this is kind of the problem well, we don't with know having if that's universe. earth 616 <laughs> i think i honestly think that would make eternals an excellent movie but, if it's just like a different earth I, I think if it was a standalone movie it'd be fine but the issue is that they're all one story and i don't and it's like it's fine if they didn't want to make it one story but they did and now i'm like what is the story i'm confused well the timeline's also confusing That's too because point. technically spider-man far from home takes place many months after wandavision yeah. oh you're right Hawkeye, oh think, my god <laughs> um because wandavision is like right in the aftermath of endgame like weeks after yeah yeah i think wandavision is 15 days post endgame and far from home is eight yep. months and post then endgame. i think hawkeye is the year after that which is crazy and and Hawkeye's Christmas because Hawkeye is Christmas and No Way Home is also Christmas. Are they the same Christmas or are they two different years? Yes. <laughs> I, think so. I think so because they're because there's an ad for Rogers the Musical in Spider Man No Way Home. And then Miss Marvel, we saw like the Statue of Liberty, I think, in Miss Marvel, but it they didn't it did not have cap yes. shield. What is going on? <laughs> okay, yeah. sorry. Let's, let's let's focus. I think right. I think there's a lot to discuss on the MCU at large. But yeah, let's yeah, talk yeah. about the movie that we're let's go to space. talking about, which is Thor: Love and Thunder. Taika Waititi's second experience uh, in the MCU. He's also a more featured character this time around through Korg, the best character in all of MCU. Although, was he a little bit of overkill in this episode? We'll talk about that later. Oh, you don't think so? Okay. Before we get into Korg, which I think is the most important thing to discuss, I think we should probably discuss the more core characters. Um, let's start with Gore, the villain of the story. Christian Bale, fantastic job, fantastic actor. Very Voldemort-esque, I think. Um, especially, whenever we don't have to get into that. We can talk about that later. But do we think he fit into this movie, or was he a little bit too dark and god-murdery for a haha goofy, let's laugh at, Korg jokes, Taika Waititi movie type thing. I personally think that you're right, that it wasn't a fit. Like, they, they didn't fit together. But I think the problem was that the movie did not take itself seriously enough. And I think that Christian Bale, like you said, fantastic performance. Like, I think I think he was the best performer in it. I think it was really difficult at a time when the movie, in my opinion, wasn't taking itself seriously. And Christian Bale gave us, like, very compelling performance that made me like feel really bad for his daughter. I think the God Killer, um, in general, is like a very compelling villain, and I think making a compelling villain is very difficult. And I found this villain that like, yeah, if you found out that you had dedicated your life uh, to, you know, praying for this God and they don't care at all about you, it would I think inspire some sort of malice. And I found that incredibly compelling. I think the problem was it didn't fit with the storyline. And instead of it being this really compelling story um, of, a, of this villain that has a true purpose, it ended up kind of being an afterthought where it'd be like, joke, 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 joke. Oh, wait, the children and the plot. The children. Um, so much so that I did not realize his name was Gore the first time I watched the movie. I just kept calling him God Killer. Um, and truly it was like, he has a name. <laughs> 
Well, something that's kind of funny that you mentioned that that me and Treya were discussing before we started recording is I feel like the opening scene of like that desert scene and Gore and his daughter are starving and she like dies in his arms and she buries her and everything. It felt like so far removed from the rest of the film. Like after the the like Marvel logo and the music plays and we get into like Thor, it just felt so like there's just a huge contrast to the point where like I even think like I knew we were going into kind of a fun Taika Waititi film, so I was like, okay, it's I know it's gonna be like funny, but when that first shot started playing, for some reason I thought we I was still watching like a preview to another movie, and I was like, and then I was like, oh, well, because it's a cold open, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, sh-. I was like, oh shit, it started, okay, like it took me like fifteen seconds to be like, I think this is the movie I'm here to see. um and then it was just it was just a little jarring to go from like i watched my daughter die in my arms and now like i'm gonna kill all gods to like thor being like i was just like don't know man like i don't know my purpose like what do i do (laughs) that kind of thing it's interesting because ragnarok did have many like serious scenes i thought like the scenes with Odin, like Odin's passing, um, Odin like talking to him. Are you Thor, God of Hamas? Like, <laughs> I I found those scenes like very moving. great. Anthony Hopkins impersonation. I know, I know, I make fun of it by saying <laughs> that, but that's actually a very serious scene and it's very touching. I think um, these moments that he has, or the moments between Thor and Loki, where he says like, "Loki, I thought the world of you." Oh there, there are these beautiful moments followed by "Get help." Like. I don't think it's a problem necessarily of having serious and funny. I think it's a problem of having like serious and then maybe like not funny. I didn't personally find this movie that funny and it just well, felt like it was like not I don't know. I sat in dead silence I, and I sat Is it East Coast theaters because um <laughs> Leah, you know our oldest sister Priya, I think she was on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. She said mm-hmm. her New York theater was silent at lines that were supposed to obviously be funny. My theater, I went twice, Friday night, opening weekend, people were laughing, and then I went <laughs> last Thursday, so the next week, and people were laughing and clapping, so. I had, I mean, I, there were, there were little, little laughs. Yeah, New Yorkers are just lame, I guess. Well, we have to, it's like, you gotta impress us, like. <laughs> I think I found myself, on first watch, I found myself making myself laugh a lot. I think that there were things that were, like, kind of funny and I mm. think I like forced myself to laugh because I was like oh that was amusing ha 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 yeah, like, I want to be like, having a good time so badly that I'm gonna <laughs> laugh it's that kind of like oh that's funny and I yeah kind of exactly <laughs> I think the I think the reason I was so disappointed by not finding the movie super funny was because I'm a huge fan of like everything that Taika does. Like I Me love too. What, I love what we what we do in the shadows. My favorite show right now of all time is Our Flag Means Death. Fucking love it. And oh, and I mean, we'll circle back to that. I am sure when we talk about how Natalie Portman lied. Tease for later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just upsetting because like, and, and I saw Jojo Rabbit, and like I think Taika's just super good at being funny but also the jokes pack an emotional punch with them so and I thought in Thor Ragnarok they did that really well well yeah you had serious scenes and yeah you had funny scenes but the funny scenes were like endearing to the characters and their relationships and like it made me laugh more because I cared about the characters right in this film I think they were kind of forcing the jokes and I was like 
this isn't funny to me because I just don't think that this is like something the characters would joke about with each other or I don't really feel like the connection you know what I mean can we touch really quick on the seriousness of both movies because the series I, th- I really like Shreya's point about like the serious scene in Ragnarok about like what Odin leaving means and who Thor's legacy and it feels like uh, Taika actually wanted to confront that and discuss it and if you're looking at the serious scenes in Love and Thunder it's like should all gods die? Do all gods suck? You know, what is the point of human suffering? And it doesn't look like Taika actually wants to confront that and discuss it at all. I think he did a little bit with Jane. I don't know. I have a totally different issue with Gore. Please. Um, What's your different issue? I just, I, I keep tripping over the fact that he is disillusioned by the very concept of God and specifically, like, prayers being answered and what does he do at the end of the movie goes to a magical wishing well in the sky <laughs> that answers his prayers yeah isn't eternity just another god i guess it's just a, you just found you just asked to speak to the god's manager that's all you did <laughs> i'm i'm like all for when marvel goes like very very sci-fi and goes into space and but when it when it gets like that, when it gets to the point, yes, it looked very looked cool. Like, when it gets to the point where it's just like straight up magic, sometimes like this is something that will grant your wish. I'm like, what? What? I think one interesting thing that brings up is that like the villain is kind of gore, but it's also kind of the necrosword. Mm-hmm. And I think the issue was that the necrosword needed more development. Yes, I think Leah can speak to this more, but I think in the comics, it's like somewhat. You you do the spiel. I'm an, I'm an intermediate comics person. Oh. I don't know much about the the necrosword, but yes, way I, to put her on the spot. <laughs> if you talk to me about Young Avengers comics, I'm into it, but not Thor What's, stuff. Well, so I I I don't know. I I've just heard that in the comics that it's like somewhat symbiote related, right? Like the necrosword has like a consciousness of itself, and for like. I don't know if this is the reason or they just decided I don't know if it's like an IP thing or they just decided they didn't want to make it symbiote related but it wasn't really explained oh. it it did show us right that the necrosword had a mind of its own right it yeah. chooses gore uh it in the first scene when like gore grabs it it tells gore to find eternity and make this wish so it doesn't like I I agree that like it doesn't make sense that he hates gods and then goes to this god but I guess it's the necrosword that does. I just think yeah. that that piece of magic like needed more development. I I would have loved to see like how it's like controlling gore if it's controlling gore. Um, and it was such a clear parallel between what's happening to him and what's happening to Jane. But I don't think that they fully mm-hmm. dug into like they had it right there and they didn't really do I that much with it. Agreed. You get like one sentence where he's like, "We're we're doing the same thing," but I yeah. I didn't even really pick up on that until I watched it for the I'm second just time. Kind of sick of like this is the second MCU movie in a row I've seen where like an object is controlling someone and that's like used, with the dark hold and, and that's just like used as a plot device and you're like okay like I don't I don't know I just think it takes away from the characters personally. Yeah, because it's like, oh, well, they were corrupted. (laughs) And the second one in a row that's obsessed with parenthood. I I also, like, I'm shocked that he decided to, like, bring his daughter back to life and then entrust her not only to this, like, basically stranger, (laughs) but also the person who he's, like, trying to kill for a long time. (laughs) Like, 
I I don't know. Also, I mean, let's be real. Thor Thor's not ready for dad duty. Jane was like, you won't be alone. And Thor was like, oh, I guess you just signed me up to be a legal guardian. Thanks. Take it by at the end of the movie, they're now like fighting. I don't know who they're fighting, but they're not like, she's not going to school. <laughs> um, Do you think that, as we know, this movie could have been like, what, four hours long? Taika had to shorten it down to two hours. A lot of scenes of gods being killed have been cut from the movie. Do we think if we had seen those scenes, it would have helped kind of benefit this whole what is Gore really up to plot line? It's weird that, right, the reason, the only way we see what's been going on is all of these distress calls that the Guardians of the Galaxy get, which I'm a little, like, who, how are they calling? There's this, there's like, Sith is like looking at the screen is like, Thor, where are you? I'm like, are you making a TikTok? Like, how are you sending this message to the Space Lords? I don't know. I would actually love to transition to talking to about the Guardians of the Galaxy if this is a, unless people have more gore thoughts. Well, that was just my one question. And then... Um, I'll answer it for you very quickly in that like I think we could have benefited from the Gore storyline more if Gore had actually maybe killed some of the gods that Thor was personally acquainted with to make it hit harder but that's my only thing unfortunately Taika killed all of them <laughs> in Ragnarok <laughs> um, I just think it's interesting when Gore is like first meets his god right and he's like we've suffered so much for you and his god is like well suffering is your only purpose like that's your point. And then later people are like, all these innocent gods are dying. So I'm like, obviously, Gore's god was like an asshole. Like, to- totally true. But then everyone else is like, no, these innocent gods are dying. So I'm like, are the other gods that are dying not innocent? And then at the uh, council of the gods, they're like, you're just in charge of looking after your own people. And I'm confused about that. And then I'm also confused because they give out an award for the most human souls sacrificed in the name of a god. But like, are as guardians human because then like this is like all of the universe right not just humans that are on earth right because people on other planets aren't necessarily human but they could also have different gods like the dumpling god right and i'm sorry oh i i hope gore i wanted gore to kill the dumpling god (laughs) why are you so it's a good question because i think that like Thor is a god in name, but he doesn't have people who worship him and doesn't have people who he's responsible for, as far as I know. Does worshiping Chris Hemsworth count? <laughs> Thor? Because I, I loved his butt-naked shot they did. That was fun. <laughs> I was thinking about that with Eternals um, yesterday, the other day, because it is Great wild film. that, like, Fina, the Eternal, is, an like... Athena is an eternal that inspired myths about Athena, and then mm-hmm. Zeus is just a guy. <laughs> Zeus is like a, just a yeah. Dude. Zeus is like actually, is actually a god. There. It's just it led to a lot of questions that don't necessarily have answers, and maybe it's like I'm not saying you needed to know that the answer to that question in this movie, but it just makes it seem like how sure. much did you really think it through? Especially that line, "Most human soul sacrificed in the name of the god," like the Cronin god that Korg sees. Which, by the way, Korg is very casual about seeing his own god right in front of him, but <laughs> I like. Cronin's like if you are gonna sacrifice Cronin's in the name of Cronin God, you're not sacrificing humans, right? So what's up with that award? Right. Maybe that's just because Zeus is the one calling the meeting, and he's a human god, so he doesn't care about everybody but, else. I I think omnipotent omnipotent city in general just seemed so useless. Like other than this incredible shot of Chris Hemsworth's naked body, <laughs> what were we doing? You know, it just felt. 
it felt so like pointless and and i think also it didn't feel like it had a sense of place at all like it's called omnipotent city it should be beautiful and it like was pretty but it seemed like the act like the characters didn't care they weren't like looking around being amazed they're like talking about like what punchlines they should do when they like fight someone with a hammer yeah, and then they dress up like the emotion gods, and I'm like, where are the emotion? Like, who are the emotion what gods? What emotions are yeah, they? Like, I wanted to know what emotions they were wearing. <laughs> it's just, and then like, and you just know where your seats are. I wanted more of a sense of time and place and everything. But anyway, Agreed. I feel like we don't know the answer to any of these questions. So, should I take it away with your guardians takes? I don't. I don't necessarily. I, so, I I understand why the guardians of the galaxy were in it. Like, we did leave Thor when he was with the guardians of the galaxy, but I think that. I I didn't really get a sense of I don't I don't sorry I don't think I have a take I I just thought maybe we talked is your take that we didn't need them because I agree I don't think I don't think we didn't need them I think that I think I think we didn't need them I'm fine with them being in it I appreciate Chris Pratt being like oh Chris like let's find love and it was like at least a theme you know that that could be in it but I didn't I didn't felt feel like they added a ton for sure. I'm also where is Gamora? Because who is Gamora? Why is Gamora? She's <laughs> who? Yeah, yeah. She she's well, like it's a different it's a different Gamora. It's yeah. not the Gamora that's their friend. It's the Gamora from 2014. Right, but yeah. was Nebula there? Yeah, Nebula is. So then why was Gamora? Nebula? Because Nebula, like that's actually present day Nebula, and she like. Do you remember at the end of Endgame they're like searching for Gamora? Present day Nebula killed 2014 Nebula right. yeah. in Endgame. And she's like tight with them now. Yeah, and Gamora shows up for the women shot, we can get Obs, shit done. But Obs. then she goes missing because now the Guardians need to find her. I'm just, and so like at the end of Endgame, they're searching for Gamora and Thor's like as Guardians of the Galaxy and they have the whole who's in charge here bit mm-hmm. that I don't think is that funny, but whatever. If this movie started and they were just like, yeah, they were together for a while, but now they're not together anymore, I would have been fine with that. I didn't need to see them split up, especially in a movie that was so rushed. Like, why did we spend so much time writing off the Guardians? We could have just, like, done that with the line. I just genuinely think that at the end of the day, it was just a way to remind viewers, hey, remember the Guardians of the Galaxy? Here they are, and catch them in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, like, in theaters soon near you. Like... They just, I think they just want to keep them relevant. So they were like, you know, if we can put them in this film for 10 minutes, we will. I really think that's what it was. It could have been five, though. Like, I I was nice to see them. I don't really think uh, Chris Pratt was fully, like, utilized, checked in. Oh, yeah. But good outfits. Well, they have their own movie coming out again soon, everyone. multiple things to discuss when it comes to Jane but I guess we should start with spoiler alert she dies <laughs> and she gets into Valhalla which not to pick nits she didn't die, she in, didn't battle. die in battle she died of cancer uh, oh, yeah she died of cancer it seems like yeah I, I don't know I honestly like did kind of like the Valhalla jokes because I think it poked at um 
some of the immaturity that Thorsa has, you know, and and Sith has of like they like love battle and they just like want to die. <laughs> uh, well, what is it? Are they poking fun at it? Because they seem to praise Valkyrie's mm-hmm. love of fighting and desire to bind battle. That's true. I think a little bit they kept talking about it because it was in the end, end credit scene. I think that's mostly I, why they made the joke. I generally think, like, though, just to try to find, like, some kind of loopholes, I wonder if, like, the gods or whatever, like, the Asgardian gods saw her picking up the hammer again, knowing that it would kill her as, like, sacrificing herself for battle. Does that make sense? Because, like, yes, yeah, she died of cancer, but also she knew going into battle that if she did that she would be dead so maybe they were like the battle of cancer maybe they were like here's a loophole you can come in and then even like um what's his name i forget his name yeah he was there to be like hey i knew you'd be here what's up you know (laughs) and she's like Yes, I did meet you in the dark. Well, <laughs> hey, what's up? He's like, hey, hey, hey. I I didn't fully understand what happened in the end there. They, so they use Mjolnir to destroy the Necrosword. Is that it? Like absorbed it, and I don't fully get yeah. what the point of that was either. But it looked cool. But like the, <laughs> but Mjolnir is still like, kick like it's fine. I thought Mjolnir. I think it's still fine. The sword disintegrated. I but then I also saw like bits of Mjolnir going into the I think it was a way to stop it from reforming. Because oh. the sword, even though the sword broke, I think it was gonna reform in his hand. So they like stuck pieces of it in the hammer and then because it was not whole, it like disintegrated. Got it. So then then do those pieces go back to form Mjolnir? Mjolnir is not a person it's a vibe so it doesn't need all of its pe- it doesn't need <laughs> all of its vibe. pieces just like asgard doesn't need its planet i don't know <laughs> fair enough jeez i think it's incredibly sad that jane has not told anyone except darcy that she has cancer which by the way i would have loved more darcy in this movie and then she dies oh. and like literally people are gonna be like what <laughs> i mean eric selvig will know what happened that's true i have a yeah. question in that in the flashback sequence that we get montage of Thor and Jane's relationship, which is incredibly charming, although everything is going to be charming if you're hot and wear dorky costumes. Like, I think that's just the recipe for a good romance montage. Um, Thor, right after their Halloween party, Jane is passed out on her bed and Thor is talking to Mjolnir and says, like, isn't she amazing? Please promise me you'll protect her. And Mjolnir, like, lights up. And I guess that is why at the end of the movie, Mjolnir calls out to her and protects her. So is Jane worthy or is this just Thor's enchantment that is getting Mjolnir to go help Jane? I like to think a bit of both. Yeah. Like, she wouldn't have been able to pick him up in the first place. Sorry to gender Mjolnir. Also, I don't think, just because Thor's like, I love this woman. I think maybe, I can't pronounce this. I'm just going to use the hammer. I think (laughs) the hammer. You can call him Mew Mew. Mew Mew. Like Darcy does. I think think Mew Mew spent enough time watching their relationship that maybe he was like, I like her. She's worthy. I don't know. It does does feel, uh, sorry to go to this reference well that I'm trying to stop, but it is a little Harry Potter feeling. It is very much like that Lily Potter, I protect you with my love, sort of. How So she sacrifices herself by picking up Mjolnir, and then that saves the, the gods. 
and then she fades into glitter <laughs> because because she got to go to the hall. I think it's because I they, see, they I were see. like we're letting you in to the afterlife. Odin didn't Odin didn't die in battle, and he turned into glitter. I mean, yeah, Odin presumably is just in hell. <laughs> but isn't he like the king? Maybe there's exceptions. For I think Odin king. was just an asshole, so he didn't go to Valhalla. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I like that. Do we think that we needed the flashback of Jane's mom also dying of cancer? I was I was going to say that. What? <laughs> and then the cut to her grave? Like, again. Absolutely uh, not. No. If the movie was longer, and I, I hate that I'm even saying this because I don't like long movies. I'm thankful that it's short and snippy and breezy. But it's when movies are so rushed and you have, like, a cut to a cancer death and a gravestone. I was like, what is going on? That could have been a Valkyrie scene. Anything that seems extraneous, in my humble opinion, should have been a Valkyrie scene. Agreed. I agree. Or, 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 or just seeing, we never got to see Jane turn into Thor for the first time. We, like, cut. Which is filmed, right? They I, decided to do it other yeah, ways, Yeah, I would assume. I, I don't know. For sure. I don't understand why they decided to cut. Like, especially because we know from the trailer about how Thor finds out first. So show us yeah. how we see it happen. Other things that happen in this movie, Jane-related, is that, like, Darcy says to her, um, I know you think your lab work is, like, necessary for civilization. And I just am confused as to what picture they're trying to paint between, like, Jane. Like, does Jane think that, like, she can single-handedly save the world through her science, but when she can't do it through her science, she'll do it through her space magic? Is that what we're trying to do? I'm just trying to get some read on what this movie is trying to say with Jane dying. I don't know, man. They're killing women left and right. Well, I think I think just just like them focusing on like, hey, she's obsessed with her work and she's ignoring her stage four cancer diagnosis. I think that was supposed to be a nod to like she's similar to Thor and that Thor is ignoring his feelings about everything by just you know going around the the galaxy and like killing things and trying to save people but he's not addressing his feelings and the same with her like she has this disease but she's kind of pushing it down to be like no I can just work and I'll be fine I'll ignore what's actually happening to myself and I think they were just similar in that vein which I think is what Darcy was trying to go for there maybe I'm wrong but she is also trying to cure her own cancer in her lab that's true oh that's true she's trying to cure herself yeah yeah which I, I guess that that makes me feel better. I think we need more female superheroes with PhDs. So I anytime Jane was being sciencey, or even especially at the end when she was like, oh if God. Mighty Thor won't work for you, you can call me Dr. Jane Foster. That line worked on me. I love people telling people yeah. to use their doctorate. Yeah. <laughs> kind of slapped. When she was explaining, when she poked a hole in that guy's book, that made me so happy. Okay, but she should buy that dude another book. I would be pissed. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that was a very cute scene. Though. Um, I am I am very sad though that we only saw Darcy for a moment and she like as far as we know, does she know that Jane died? Like I feel like that's Jane's like only No, she should have been there. Like more than Thor being there, Darcy should have been there when Jane died. I feel like Darcy yeah, I felt that they did Darcy really dirty there. What did you all think of the dynamic between Thor's like missing Mjolnir and the Stormbreaker being jealous of Thor and Mjolnir's relationship? I thought it was funny. I mean, it was a little bit of the same joke over and over again, but listen, my theater ate it up they were cracking up every time stormbreaker showed up on the screen like one of those 
what you're looking at type weapons. It was silly. It was goofy. I liked it better than the goats. Who thought the goats would be good? (laughs) So many people laughed at them in my theater. I laughed laughed at them. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to start calling you and screaming like the goats. I just liked that every time, like... They were like, we have to go, like, save the kids. And then they land on that planet, and it's just the goats going, ah! I, oh. it, I don't know. I did like it when they landed on, yes, when they landed on that planet, that screamed. was beautiful. And also because it was, like, like looked like that old movie where they crash on the moon, that old black and white movie. I'm a bad film student. I'm forgetting the name I of it. I don't know what it is. I also was a film student. Was it the one where there's, like, the telescope in the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that what you're talking about? I can picture it, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Moonstruck? Moonstruck. Your favorite movie? <laughs> no, we hate that movie. We don't talk about it here. <laughs> Except when we did a whole episode on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, Shrey. I feel like um, I cut you off. You were saying something about... Did you not like the the threesome? Not the... You know what I mean. The threesome? <laughs> the, I, this movie wishes. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it, like... It, it didn't make sense to me. Like, I, I, I think the first time I watched it, I liked it, but that was partially because I was trying so hard to like the movie and laughing at all the jokes. And now it kind of fell into the same bucket to me as the goats where I'm like, this isn't funny. And I just like feel like we're not like I, I it's like weird where that's like this relationship is like a jealous girlfriend. But then also Thor is like, it's time for your first beer. Like, is Stormbreaker your child? You're, <laughs> like, I don't really understand I, what's going on. I genuinely thought it worked well and I liked it because I do like when they try to like give personality to these like what you could say in inanimate objects so I like that we kind of see a glimpse into like this connection that Thor has with his ex-weapon and his current weapon and it actually did like slightly benefit the plot because I think at some points like then Stormbreaker kind of like not fully respond to him a couple times or making that up and that's then got- true i do i do think I, I i think i'm being a little bit critical in in, in what i just said i think it it had i think it was compelling and it, i do like yeah. the dynamic that like you have a relationship with your weapon like it's not just like an object um and it would be really important to you if like presumably it's the only thing like saving you from life and death in these yeah. battles and i i laughed a lot at the fact that like just thinking about it like for Stormbreaker, that poor axe, that's what it is, because it thought that Thor's old weapon was literally dead. It's like an ex coming back to life, and he's like, what the fuck? Like, now, <laughs> now. Uh, you know what? So many people that got blipped probably had to deal with this exact situation. I know. It's so relatable. Stormbreaker, Mjolnir, and Thor should all have, like, couples therapy with the couples that had to deal with the same ex coming back post-blip situation. Also, speaking <laughs> of weapons, like, does he then use Zeus's bolt to give the Zeus bolt thing was so annoying and he he (laughs) gave powers to the children who like now also have the power of Thor but only for a little while at the very end of the movie he says like let's use Zeus I don't know how Zeus's weapon lets it happen but like if these kids may be worthy limit them give them the power of Thor I do have to ask y'all how you thought about the child army because didn't sit great with me but before that 
what if one of the kids is just a piece of shit? Like, then he's not worthy. And that kid would have just gotten immediately obliterated, right? He wouldn't have gotten the power of Thor. Sorry, I'm, again, male gendering this child that might suck. But you had to make sure all of those kids were good kids or else, like, you would have gotten... Didn't they they make some comment about the powers would only last until yeah. like yeah he says limited time, time only but he also says if they be worthy of heart in his blessing so if you had a shitty yeah. kid that kid would not have gotten those powers and they would have just immediately gotten knocked out that kid would have died i guess it's a good yeah. thing all his guardian kids are angels they weren't all his guardian <laughs> um okay child army i liked it you like the child army i did explain more why you support child soldiers <laughs> um <laughs> got me um, I, I mean, I liked it because it hit um, a very specific feel, which is the final season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's this, spoilers for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, There's this, <laughs> they have gathered every girl, or they've gathered as many girls as they can that they've determined are potential slayers, and then Willow does a spell that turns every potential slayer in the world into a slayer because there's typically only one at a time so they activate like all these girls with superpowers and then there's this montage of like all of the girls at the house the camp or whatever and then all these girls like around the world like suddenly getting power and it's like so moving um and so it reminded me of that so that it made me happy for that reason and i liked it when that little girl used her bunny the as bunny was a great. weapon. I just was like so worried because I'm like Thor. How do you know that like these powers will make them all great fighters? And if a single child dies, their parents are gonna like fucking murder you, Thor. So why? Yeah. I just was like Thor. You need to. T- Doesn't bode well for him as a dad. Yeah. I just. Well, just <laughs> yeah. Right now he's a fucking father, and he's like, oh yeah. Once I had a child army, it was great. In general, I just think that the movie doesn't really understand what it's. And I mean, Marvel movies in general, right? They're all about fighting, so they can't really take a mm. strong sta- anti-war stance. I understand that, but <laughs> so like, there's this, there's this commentary on dying in battle and everything, and then also like how Valkyrie just like wants to fight all the time and how it's great but it's objectively not so i just don't understand why everyone is so into almost dying all the time my other thing with the child army is that they are so clearly like from so many different recent installments in marvel they're trying to set up a bunch of these young kids that have superpowers i now think that like Love. I'm a big Axel fan, though. I am a big Axel fan, but... When he said Thor, I'm glad I met my hero, I cried. But, like, (laughs) I can just tell, like, there is gonna be some kind of movie in the next, like, five years or whatever that's, like, all these super-powered kids that we've seen in the last couple years. Like, Axel... Is her name, like, Love now? I'll just call her Love. Yeah, what? (laughs) He's like, he's like, I'm gonna name you Love. Yeah, that's crazy. If I was her, I'd be like, you know, I had a name before you tried to rename me, but go, okay. Um, (laughs) Maybe her name was always Love. We don't know. I mean, Christian Bale does just call her, like, Love. Yeah, that's true. And Thor goes by Thunder, I guess. (laughs) Let's talk about names. So, because Thor's name isn't Thor. Thor's name is, Thor's name isn't Thunder. Thor's name is Thor. Valkyrie, yeah. Shred texted me and my other sister about this, is a Valkyrie, but her name is also Valkyrie? Wasn't she like Scrapper something, something, something? I think that was on that planet. That was like the yeah. name she went by. But, because it's weird because Jane is a Thor, but her name is Jane. 
Thor is a Thor named Thor. I'm just confused as how names work in this universe. I think we can't question it that much or else we'll get frustrated. <laughs> if she's the and and she's the only Valkyrie left, I think. So She's like I get to name myself. Yeah. Can you just call me Val. It's what Oh, you can call me Val. Um Is that a quote from somebody? There's a song called You Can Call Me yeah. Al. Oh. <laughs> All y'all know that I'm a major Korg fan. My car is yes. named Korg. I think he's one of the most pure and great creatures of the MCU because everything he does is out of a need to help, right? Hey, man, we're just going to get into that spaceship over there. Want to come? Always inviting people. Always being a nice, sweet guy. Up until Thor Love and Thunder, I had every line Korg speaks in the Marvel Cinematic Universe memorized because it's not that many, right? He talks to, he has like two or three scenes in Thor Ragnarok and two, a scene in Endgame. And every scene is killer. He's so happy. He's so supportive. He just like brings joy to those specific scarce scenes that he's used in. He narrates this movie. I can no longer memorize every line that Korg has in the MCU because he's narrating the whole movie to who just to give it some kind of sense of cohesive vision because you don't really know what else is going on like another and make the exposition yes exactly another movie that has exposition or narration throughout iron man 3 but at least it ends with tony talking to bruce banner so you can like see who he's been talking to the whole time and like tight like, you can tie it together. They could have made it a bit. Korg is literally made for bits and made of you bits. You want to? But, sorry. I wish, I just so wish that, because I also was like, oh, he's narrating. Who is he going to narrate to? Because I'm always just used to seeing who someone is narrating to at the end of a movie. Why wasn't it, like, whatever fucking kid he had in the lava pit with Dwayne? Oh, yeah. That would have been like, At the perfect. beginning, it should have been At the beginning, kid. he is narrating to a group of yes. kids, oh, is right? He? Like he's, yes. In the very beginning, know, he's talking to people on the planet. But then, like, for example, when we go to, when Jane and Thor show up on, on New Asgard on Earth, we then cut to, let's tell you the story of Jane and Thor. And again, it's, I liked that montage. It just... It could have been very easily made into a joke or made into it something been instead kid. of just narrating. And yeah, Kate, that would have been perfect. I honestly, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I thought that it was sweet. I thought that it was easy exposition, but it wasn't bad exposition, um, in my opinion. I, I thought that Korg is a character who has these kinds of subtle insights where he'll say something very insightful in a very casual way like it seems like you have a very important relationship with this hammer that is like inconsolable or however he says (laughs) and losing it last year yeah yeah like akin to losing a loved one exactly so i think that i i i personally didn't have a problem with it i would say i even liked it you know to add something to move the movie forward i think it also actually that's He, he and he does the same thing to valkyrie he's like when uh Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth are making out up front, right? Oh, I loved that scene. That's a love. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. You mean when, the one scene with gay representation in the whole movie? Yeah, when they're just they're just doing gay stuff on the ship. So Korg talks about how Cronin babies are made by two dads going into a lava pit and holding hands together, which which his mom's is, boyfriend, right, in Thor Ragnarok. So does Thor just have one mom and two dads, or how does that work? Because in Thor Ragnarok, he says his mom had a boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Right. You don't have every Korg line memorized. 
if you also dear listener forgot in Thor Ragnarok Korg says that he tried to plan a revolution but it didn't work because the only two people that showed up is his mom and his boyfriend who he hates and so he has a mom I mean maybe he had two dads and his dad something happened to his dad so he got adopted by a mom but I I just come on Taika what's going on there like Cronin lore is the most important thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe (laughs) speaking of Cronin lore like Korg doesn't know that the only part of a Cronin that's living is the face until he almost dies. What? That That Korg fake out was rude. Like, they, they, they. It was rude and nonsensical, right? Like, you should know how you would die. Like, what? So Zeus kills, quote unquote, kills Korg because Thor needs to be motivated enough to get so mad that his best friend died that he would, like, then go attack Zeus. So it was mainly just like a plot purpose, but like again, also probably was easier to CGI for the rest of the yeah. Movie and I heard some joke that like Taika didn't want to be wearing all that mocap or something like that. But well, again, I think this brought that upon himself. <laughs> the small Korg moments are great. The moment where uh, Thor is co- coaching Axel how to like activate the vision thing and he's like just close your eyes and hold out your hand and in the background you see Cora close his eyes and hold out his hand like when he does sweet stuff like that or at the end when Val when they're on the ship and Valkyrie's like we just got humiliated at Omnipotent City and Thor says we didn't get humiliated I said I didn't get humiliated I got naked and nobody had a problem with it Jane and Jane's like nope I didn't have a problem with it Korg and Korg goes I loved it (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean at the end of the day Korg is voiced by Taika. I do love Taika, even though I wasn't, like, crazy about this movie. I love that man and everything he does, so if there's going to be a character who has a, a nice little, like, New Zealand accent, and he's, like, super cheery, and it's Taika, I'm like, whatever, you're awesome. Like, you can do whatever you want, and I will enjoy you, so. Though I, I do think if, if you don't, if you don't like Taika, if you find his humor annoying, then him narrating this movie definitely would turn you off. I didn't love the, like, Jane Fonda, Jodie Foster getting Jane's name wrong jokes, especially because she's so particular about her name at the end of the movie. But I think it's funny because he says an yeah. Earth woman named Jane Fonda, so it's like Korg doesn't know people on Earth, and that's why he keeps messing it up. Um, I wonder if Taika was, if just Taika was just not in Lightyear, if all of his problems would have gone away. I feel like that one movie pushed him over <sighs> the edge, especially because Lightyear wasn't that great, right? But if, like, everything else was fine, I honestly don't think the backlash would be as bad as it is right now. It's just that, like, one thing that just pushed everything over the edge. I'm just scared for him because everyone is, like, annoyed with his most recent projects, which is why everyone should go support Our Flag Means Death, a wonderful yeah. show. Wait, what are they annoyed by? <laughs> I feel like people just hate this movie. Oh, yeah. Also, I mean, no. I mean, oh, people yeah. also really do. There's also a lot of people that hate Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, and during our, I am not one of them, but we they actually exist. We actually did an episode on Lightyear a couple episodes ago, um, and Michael, our other co-host, actually said that he's starting to get annoyed with how much Taika is doing, and he's getting Taika burnout, he said, which... I disagree with, but in Michael's defense, like, I think he gets burnout from people easily. Like, he also has Lin-Manuel <laughs> Miranda burnout. So, Lin-Manuel Miranda know. burnout is... They're yeah. very similar, like, have skyrocketed. Are are very, like, yeah. on, very personality, cult of personality type creators. And put themselves yes. in all of their projects. 
if yeah. if Taika wasn't in like if you didn't hear him as often I'm, I'm not saying I'm mad at him at all I'm just saying there are ways to anticipate burnout and counteract it I mean again I maybe Disney was like if you want to do this Star Wars you're also going to voice this character in Lightyear mm-hmm. but and I'm I don't know <laughs> excited about his Star Wars honestly I think that's a that's an interesting sandbox for him yeah maybe he'll put Natalie Portman in it <laughs> Have y'all seen that, that interview? That had to be a joke. People are being so mean about that. There's no way. He has such a dry sense of humor that does not translate to, like, pull quotes at all. He does. Wait, I think it was real. I think it was an accident. But I th- just for context, uh, Taika asked Natalie, like, mm-hmm. he's making a Star Wars movie. And he was like, oh, yeah, would you ever want to be in a Star Wars movie? To Natalie Portman. But I just think Taika says so much bullshit yeah. all the time that, like, I don't trust a word out of his mouth no. usually. Because he's just like, <laughs> I've watched his interviews and he's he's so dry. I think it's yeah. amazing. But I, he's very non-serious and I don't trust him when he says stuff in interviews. <laughs> first post credit scene that we see after Thor Love and Thunder, which is Zeus talking about how all of the gods have been humiliated before people would cry out to their gods, even if they didn't know if they were listening. But now they just want a superhero, very Martin Scorsese-esque <laughs> dialogue. And then he says, you need to go fix this. Go kill Thor Hercules. And the camera pans and we see Brett Goldstein of Ted Lasso fame. He's, He's here. There. He's, He's there. Every He's every where. freaking where. Oh, so y'all are all excited about this, I guess. I, oh, I'm yeah. incredibly excited. This post credit scene made me think I liked the movie the first time. <laughs> me too. The, the, the first time I watched the movie, I thought that uh, uh, who Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe was Zeus, correct? Yeah. I thought while Russell Crowe was atrocious in Omnipotent City, I thought this monologue was very compelling and. I think that's a good point. Like, if you were the, a god who had all of these powers, you would be frustrated, especially if one of the superheroes just almost killed you. Um, I thought it was delivered very well. And then it panned over in a very exciting score to an actor I am very excited about. It truly convinced me. I, I left the movie and my I met up with some friends and they were like, like how was the movie? And I said, I loved it because... I thought that the ending was like so ex- that that mid credit scene was so exciting in that sense that I was like, oh yeah, great movie, it was fun. Okay, spoilers for Eternals, but the post credit scene in Eternals is Harry freaking Styles, which I <laughs> again I wasn't honestly a hundred percent sure that was Harry Styles. That's how limited my music knowledge was, but I understand that he is like an international sensation. Everyone yeah. is obsessed with him. Brad Goldstein is famous for this one Apple series that is going to be over next year. And then who knows what is going to happen and where his career is going to go. And I just wonder how famous he'll actually be in two or three years when this movie comes out. Maybe his agent is good enough to keep his momentum going. And now that he's in Marvel, he can keep his momentum going. But let's see, Harrington is in Marvel now and he's like, Game of Thrones, take me back. So, Oh my God, he really did that. I, but why is that a bad thing? The fact that he is not as well known. I just think that like, okay. Age of Ultron post-credit scene, right, is Thanos, I'll fine, I'll do it myself. And people are getting excited because, oh, look at where this plot is going. Now post-credit scenes are just, this actor is in the MCU now, and yeah. you'll see him in three years. I yeah. do agree. I'm getting sick of, of of all the end credits being like, here's a character. But then the fact that he's not as famous should make you m- like the scene more because it's less it of is. a, woohoo, 
Breckles is in the MCU and more of a look at this other was, plot. No, point. that makes way more excited God. for Brett Goldstein than I was for Harry Styles. I'll just say that. No, I, but, <laughs> Agreed. but at the end of the day, it is just let's pick somebody that people will get excited to see at this moment in time. Right. And it's not really a timeless thing, whereas Thanos, I'll do it myself, will be a timeless post credit scene. Yeah, but I, I, I do think I though that, again, we mentioned this kind of like earlier but like with the guardians that it's all about marketing you know like you have to kind of sometimes you have to remember this is a huge multi-billion franchise and they do want to like sell tickets that's their end goal so sometimes i do think they said they have been sacrificing the plot and the story for let's throw in this really hot actor right now to entice viewers we don't have a mic here today because he i don't know he's busy i guess not cool enough yeah for he us. just he just fucking um uh, deserted us but mike who doesn't watch marvel movies and has seen i guess thor ragnarok and thor love and thunder and black panther maybe and shang chi i think those are the four marvel movies he's seen um oh i guess he watched eternals too right because he covered it with us Um, yeah he was on with us he sent us this voice memo about what he thought about the brett goldstein post-credit scene and I think his opinion is very interesting as somebody who doesn't watch Marvel movies. Because I'm not a huge fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, one actor or one idea is enough to get me interested in a standalone film, whereas I may not watch all of them. So seeing Brett Goldstein in the end credit scene, like that enough is to that's enough to get me to go to the next movie or whatever movie that features him i'll be there just because it's him and i love ted lasso and that'll just seal the deal fascinating i just again i wonder how famous ted lasso really is have you seen the emmy nomination (laughs) it's it's so big though it's so so big to the point where my dad yeah and and my dad literally said the same exact thing as michael okay my dad is like a casual marvel fan like you've seen the iron mans but the iron mans iron men (laughs) the iron men and he and iron men so literally we got home from the movies and me and my mom told him fucking roy kent was you spoiled it for him oh we oh he's not gonna go see this movie (laughs) right so we were like roy kent's gonna be in the mcu was in the post credit scene and he goes, oh, man, whatever movie that he's in, like, I'll go see it. I but love it. But when him. is it coming out? It'll come out in maybe two years, many years after Ted Lasso has ended. But people will still love it. I watched the uh, I watched Thor for the first time with my roommate, Shri, who hasn't seen Ted Lasso. But he was like, oh, I recognize that guy. So Yeah, it's fucking Roy Kent. It's fucking Roy Kent. I, I, I don't disagree, Shirley. I think that it is better in the Infinity Saga, where the mid credit scene and post credit scenes move the plot forward. And yeah. I would prefer them not to be casting announcements. And I don't love that, but I feel like if Phase 4 is what it is in this directionless mess, I'm not mad. I'm not... I would prefer this story move forward. But if it's not going to move forward and it's not going to be cohesive, I think as a standalone scene, I did like this scene and I'm excited about Hercules. But when are we going to see it, right? We've seen so many. Where, like, when are we going to exactly. see Harry Styles? When are we going to see Blade? Or is that Blade? Who, whoever's talking to Taika. Or Taika. Kit. I think Blade is. Was that, that was from the Eternals, right? Yeah. Probably the only one that's been yeah. announced. Because, like, Eternals 2 has not officially been announced. I'm sure in a week when San Diego Comic-Con has happened we'll know way more and then d23 in september i think 
um, will be the rest of it. But yeah, I Guardians maybe. You could see Hercules. I'm I'm less hot on this casting, though I am very very pro Brett Goldstein being in the MCU. So I'm kind of mixed on it because I I don't. I, I know that character from comics. This is a character I know a little bit because he's currently dating one of the Young Avengers characters. Hercules is? Um, a character named Novar, also known as Marvel Boy. Um, who I think... Yeah. Yeah, isn't that cool? And and he's all... And so... So gay. Who I, who <laughs> I would fan cast as KJ Appa. I don't think I brought that up last time we were doing fan casting. I think you bet on KJ oh, yeah. Appa. Oh, no, you didn't um, bet on KJ Appa. You bet on another one. <laughs> yeah, I really did. Oh, Skylar Cassandra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anywho. Yes. Um, Same vibes. Yeah. So I, I I, don't know that I would see Brett Goldstein in... Yeah. And and then also the way he's drawn, and I am not usually this kind of comic nerd, but the way he's drawn is, like, thick. And so <laughs> Brett Goldstein's, like, a very skinny he's not this like eh. yeah i just honestly wonder if when they do this uh when they set up a marvel post-credit scene if they're like and then we'll pan to insert actor name here and they just see who yeah. they can get they make a list and the, whoever's highest in terms of twitter followers on the list oh of people God. they can get they plug that person <laughs> into the movie like that's what it feels like though you know but like i i love anyway. brad goldstein disney contract era that's wonderful he loves them up it's so much <laughs> Um, I hope he gets to do so much with them now that he's in the door. There has been a lot of discussion before Thor Love and Thunder came out that this movie was going to be exceptionally gay. There was this one interview um, before the movie came out. Uh, Let me share this audio because I think it, I think they kind of got ahead of themselves in the sense that I don't know what came first, them saying the movie was gay or media saying the movie was gay. Because there's the one thing that Natalie Portman lied, let's talk about that first, is basically at like the third premiere of the movie, the last question that was asked by the audience was, how gay is the movie? Taika turns the audience attention to Natalie Portman, like basically asking Natalie Portman, answer, asking Natalie Portman to answer the question. And she says, so gay. And then Taika screams, super gay. Tessa Thompson keeps her mouth shut. She just turns her microphone around. The one openly gay person on that stage. Leah, thoughts? So I think Taika motioned to Natalie because she had been asked this question in a previous interview. And it was a very leading question. I think I have the tape of that interview. Should I play that really quick? So I, I think he was saying like, you know, Natalie, you're this meme already. Do it again. Do the thing again. You know, say yeah. the thing. Okay, so this is the thing. Natalie, is it safe to say that this is the gayest movie ever made in the MCU? Um, I love that <laughs> reading of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. I mean, you're on you're flying on rainbows. There I mean or, or am I imagining it? Like I mean, that is the core of the the comics i feel like that's that's where it all started it's very true to 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 the source material i think so she never actually said this is so vague. This is such, also this is a tricky question because if you're like no it's not gay yeah then it's like 
well, are you homophobic? Like it's it would it's, it would seem homophobic because she was like, no, it's not gay. It's not. It's I'm not gay. <laughs> like you know, like it would almost seem like that. Um, so I don't really know how you answer the question. I mean, it was definitely a disappointment, but I guess it's not their fault that it got overhyped. Well, there's also the Tessa Thompson many 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 comic cons ago or some kind of panel i think it was 2019 comic con or d20 whenever they announced all the movies yeah was asked i think was what was do you remember what the question was that she she responded to she said something about you're talking about how valkyrie said the movie would be about valkyrie a king needs her queen right yes so I think was if she was like asked if she was going to be if they were going to have bi representation on screen or something like that and she said, "Well, she's king now and a king needs her queen." Something like that. That was very As- early when they didn't necessarily know what the movie was and maybe she was maybe that was the premise of the movie back then. I could easily fit in. It's just not so could've gay. Cut out cut out that mom scene. Cut a little cut a little Korg. Well yeah, they could have literally uh it's just weird that Taika said super gay because it's not super gay. It's not. And and this is where like I'm so confused with him because again, mentioning the show again, which I I think Leah has watched, but our flag means death. We what show? he's riding the high of everybody loving our flag means death and being a gay icon and that that show is such like like the fan base is 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 comprised of so many like lgbt people to the point where i actually went to see rice darby or reese darby i think i said his name wrong (laughs) do a comedy show in boston Mm -hmm. a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago and why don't you say hi? I was up in way high. I, we had we had nosebleed seats. Um, not that it was like a big theater or anything. I meant Boston. Oh, oh, Boston. sorry. <laughs> you meant why do why didn't you say hi to Reese? Um, <laughs> but like literally, so many people there. I like, you know what? You can just tell. I was like, yeah, yeah, everyone here is is like huge fans of the show, and a lot of them I think identify as probably queer, and they love him. They love Taika, and they love the show so much. It's become like a huge cult following. And for him to, like, kind of slightly queer bait Love and Thunder was really shocking to me because yeah. he's just not – I don't think he's, like, one to do that. And I'm just kind of confused, like, where he was going with this. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I th- I would – it's all, it's definitely gayer than Endgame. I would say it's on mm-hmm. par with Eternals. Um, I do think it's very funny – that the description of gay sex in this movie is holding hands and for <laughs> procreational purposes, so don't be scared of it. Wait, I, I definitely <laughs> think Eternals is more gay than this movie because How they, is Eternals gay? I don't remember. They Eternals they uh, uh the one Fastest. of the Eternals has a husband. Yeah. Oh, and they yeah, show them I on guess. screen and they show they show their family and their kids. So their and family, they, show them, they like, kiss on the mouth. They they I feel like that was so much yeah. representation than literally just implying that Valkyrie like had a girlfriend Mm -hmm. we don't get to like you know and then Korg who is an alien (laughs) a a rock man holding hands with another rock man to make a baby in a lava pit that's stretching the representation very thin so on the uh, on the midnight boys ringerverse podcast i think charles said if i go to the bathroom and i miss your representation then that's not representation exactly. and i really loved that quote like you could have easily cut it out of the, you can easily cut this representation out of the movie for the demographics that you can't show it in 
Except then the movie would be like an hour and 50 like, minutes. Like, <laughs> if you're going to call this movie like super gay, give Valkyrie like an on-screen Oh, wait, 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 what, 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 you forgot that she kissed a lady's hand. <laughs> oh, yeah, whoops, whoops. <laughs> How did that go by my head? I don't know. Like, give her, give her a fucking on-screen girlfriend. I was, like, kind of rooting for, like, wouldn't it be awesome if, like, Darcy and Jane ended up together? I don't know. Or Darcy and Valkyrie. Darcy and Valkyrie. There's a great fan art. I'll try and find it after WandaVision came out of, like, Thor, Valkyrie, and Darcy all hanging out. And Darcy's like, and then he freaked out, so I tased him. And Valkyrie's like, I did the same thing. And they're, like, drinking beers. And I'm like, this is, they should date. They would be a great couple. I also think it would have been very beneficial to have Darcy, like, in New Asgard with them because I just felt like then the tension between Jane and Thor would have been, like, a little bit more on the nose because Jane would have had a friend there who cares about her and would be like, you're the shitty ex-boyfriend. Like, don't get near her. You know, yeah. like, it would have been more tension. I, I would have liked I that. honestly wonder if they had to keep Darcy out because they, again – she was in WandaVision. They don't know when she's going to show up again. And if you put her back on the board, you have, you're have you tying yourself up for another 10 minutes with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's figure I out know. where to get her next type thing. And here she can go wherever she <sighs> wants next because you didn't tie her anywhere. This is obviously yeah, just like I'm thinking I would have liked her there, though. She could have done well being more featured. That was know. one of the bigger reactions in my uh, screening, which I should state again to be very snobby, was the press screening. <laughs> and so the reactions you are always a little off because it's all film critics. Um, but when when Kat Denning showed up, everyone was like, oh, oh. Yeah. And like, it was very strange. I like her. Yeah. Speaking of actors showing up, should we guess which actors <sighs> get the whip and the yeah. end credit in <laughs> okay. this movie? All right. So if you are unfamiliar with this game that we play, my one of my favorite games uh, on Chaos on the Set is you guess which ca- which actor has the with credit, which actor has the end credit, just a little special thing that shows up before their name to give them a little bit of an extra zhuzh. Uh, for example, at like the end of Interstellar, it's like with Michael Caine. Is Michael Caine in Interstellar? Yeah, he is. Okay. I think he gets the with credit. Do not go gentle. <laughs> yeah, how could I forget? Um, so in this movie, Thor, Love and Thunder, there is one with credit mm. and one and credit. Who do y'all think gets each credit? And I should say, for because I also bet in the theater when I'm there, I was right about the and, but not the with. My friend and coworker Haley, who I went with, got both correct. So shout out to Haley. Very impressed that. Because we also were like, while the credits started rolling, we're like, or oh, what if it's this or what if it's that? But Haley, first guess, she knew her, right? I'm very proud of her. I'm going to say with Russell Crowe. And Natalie Portman. Stray and Leah, do you know? <laughs> no. You... I only remember one thing about these credits. I only remember one wild is thing. Is it that about... Chris Hemsworth is credited first? <laughs> no, it's the the fact that they said, like, featuring the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was annoying. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I, I also did notice that. I was trying not to pay attention, but I noticed that. So that's why I'm like, no Chris Pratt for this. And they all share one title card. That I did think was very interesting. So I'm going to say with Bill Skarsgård and Russell Crowe. All right, Shari, what's your guess? I'm sorry, I looked. You looked? Okay, well, here's the thing. It's the ending of the credits. How do you not look? You, I, Yeah, you, you can tell the answer, but I have my own credits beef. Okay, I was sitting in the trailer. I was sitting in the theater, and I was watching this movie, and I was like, 
they tried this hard to get Natalie Portman back in the MCU and then they freaking kill her, she has the end credit. I was so sure. And then when I got into it, when the credits started rolling, because I wasn't sure, but then the credits order is Chris, uh, Chris Hemsworth and then second is Christian Bale. And I was like, there was no way you do Natalie Portman so dirty you credit her third. And I knew, and she wasn't. So I was like, okay, she's and. The with credit is Russell Crowe. So with Russell Crowe and Natalie Portman, you she got it correct. Right. You got half of it correct. Or did you get both No, right? Kate gets some. Oh, good. Congratulations, Catherine. You win Ooh. for today. But yeah. I just felt, yeah, I just felt like there's no way they give her a third credit. They have to give her the end. She's freaking Natalie Portman. Yeah, I, was, I think she could have been credited second. But once Christian Bale was yeah. second, I was like, oh, she, she has to have the end credit then. Fun game. Hope you had fun playing along at home as well. Shrey, what's your credits beef? Can you guess? Um, you just didn't like him. I cannot stand seeing a Kevin Feige production on the credits. Get over yourself. <laughs> and I... It is a Kevin Feige production. So though. what? I, I, I... The only thing that made me feel better about it is then it said a Taika film. And I was like, all right, I'll take it. But I'm over him. And if he doesn't make Phase 4 have some narrative that is moving in any direction... I'm going to be actually pro a Kevin Feige production because I'm going to be like, yeah, you fucking produce bad content. <laughs> you cannot say Kevin Feige is bad. <laughs> I just, I'm just like, get over yourself, you know? Um, but in the meantime, thank you so much for joining us on this new Marvel episode. If you have not bet in our long-term betting series on who will one day be cast in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, please do because every day you have a new opportunity to win that bet. Nobody bet on any either Brett Goldstein or Melissa McCarthy, the other cameo we got in this movie. So we still have zero points on the boards. <laughs> you still, dear listener, have an opportunity to win. In the meantime, uh, Shreya, do you want to start off by telling folks where they can find you? I, I'm Shreya. You can find me moving to L.A. to move in with Shruti in a couple months. <laughs> Leah, where can we find you? Um, You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd uh, and like Instagram, but I don't. That's for friends. <laughs> like I don't do fun stuff on there. Just my life. Uh, at Leah at Leah Marilla. Um, I'm recapping Westworld right now for Vulture, and it's confusing me too. So you can come join me in that journey. <laughs> but James Marsden is hella hot, though, right? Oh my Spoilers. god! <laughs> yeah. Um, um, you can find me on Twitter at Kate underscore Wyatt. I have a letterbox, but Michael said I'm not allowed to share it or else he will enlist me in a child army and make sure that I don't make it out alive. My God. <laughs> I know, it got dark, didn't it? <laughs> Just like Thor, Love, and Thunder. You can find me on Twitter at Micromarante. You can find my letterbox at Truthymarante. And then you can find our Twitters, our, our podcasts, Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram, all at Chaos on the Set.